two, one. Greetings, one and all, and welcome to Dewerisms, the podcast for the week of February the 5th. I am your host, Chris Dewer, and we are presented as always by the fine folks at County Market, supporting your communities, your schools, and your kids. This is an incredibly busy and fun week for us. Two huge topics to get through this week as it's National Letter of Intent Week in college football. As the high school players from our area have gone on to matriculate to the next level, they've announced their decisions, and we've had some really high interest play, especially at the Division II level and right at the top of it. So I'm going to get into the all the signing stuff with you, kind of breaking down who went where and why we think those are really good moves on the particular part of the individuals involved. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about the KHQA Superfan Shootout, which tips off this Friday at Quincy Notre Dame, three games on Friday night, and then a boffo slate of eight games coming up on Saturday. So we're going to start there and break down that entire schedule with you right now, talking about the Superfan Shootout, which is always fun with American Family and KHQA as your sponsors. And I'm not sure this is the best schedule we've ever put together, but it is really strong in terms of 20-win teams this season. Also pretty darn strong in terms of players who have a chance to maybe factor in at the all-state level when we're all said and done. Now, there is a part of me that wishes we could kind of tweak the matchups a little bit. Some of our old standbys and old favorites who are traditional teams that have really provided us great play over the years maybe aren't as strong record-wise, especially with Quincy Notre Dame and Pittsfield at the boys' side kind of struggling just a bit. But we do feel like there's a lot of added value on the back end of this thing just to see some talent, to see a high volume of folks. And again, you've got the number one team in the state in here in Winchester West Central. Again, in a wish list scenario, it'd kind of be fun to like pull a page out of Rochester's tournament, maybe slate them against Palmyra. But again, Quincy Notre Dame has played some of its best basketball of late. Kevin Meyer's team is getting healthy, and that's obviously going to be a team that's not easy to beat, much the same fashion that Pleasant Plains was not easy for West Central to beat on the road. So we'll see how the Cougars rise up to that challenge. But let me break down the slate with you first, what we're looking forward to. The three games on Friday, we've had a change in our scheduling just because we had to make some different things happen. We had a scheduling snafu with the Columbia Battle Girls, who were supposed to be here. They had committed to this last year. Their athletic director changed. The old athletic director and the new athletic director apparently didn't communicate they were supposed to be here, so battle was double booked. So what we did in effort to change that we moved Quincy Notre Dame into a game with Freeburg, who was already coming and who's slated to start the Saturday part of the schedule against Palmyra. We moved Quincy Notre Dame to play Freeburg to our 5.30 game on Friday. So that will tip things off the pit. We will then exchange the game that was scheduled for 5.30, an always classic matchup between Minden Unity and Clopton that's become a bit of a Friday night tradition in this thing, and obviously two teams that are always pretty talented and always pretty good and darn dangerous when they play each other. And then we'll end Friday night with Quincy Notre Dame versus uh, Western of Barry. All right, what do we like about these games? Well, first of all, if you show up, Freeburg is a pretty darn good girls basketball team, but they're going to be strongly matched against a Quincy Notre Dame team who's, you know, Losses this season have been high caliber. Uh, obviously, they've played some great teams. Their their most recent loss was to uh, a Bethalto Civic Memorial team that's state ranked and, and pretty darn good. So the games that Quincy Notre Dame has lost, they've been high caliber games. And this is a game that will probably give Quincy Notre Dame a pretty good test, but a game that Quincy Notre Dame will be favored in. A chance for you to see Abby Schreck, if you have not done so, the fab freshman who's already getting some Division One looks in person, as well as a chance to see, obviously, Sydney Hummer to her thing. Those are two all-state caliber players taking on a Freeburg team that, you know, is always 
pretty physical and pretty darn good. So should be a good matchup there. As I mentioned, you know, Clopton has, has played very well. They're coming off yet another championship in the Bowling Green Tournament, which is their fourth in a row. The personnel have changed, really. The approach is not. Kerrigan Lockard is a really fantastic low-post player who can do a lot of things, and she's supported by four players that complement her very well. When you're talking about that, you're, you're talking about a Menden Unity team, a Menden Unity team that's obviously based very nicely in Carl Sandberg signee Addison Eager. Uh, you know, Brooklyn Stiefel's a really good sophomore. It's a young team that's going to be really good for years to come. These are two pretty darn young rosters that I think, you know, if we do this game again next year, and I think that's the plan on Friday night, should be a fun matchup. And then Quincy Notre Dame versus Western on the boys' side is a battle of two teams that have played pretty well, have had some moments where they've looked pretty darn good, but really haven't gotten the signature victory. And obviously when you're talking about Western, yeah, Kyle Colgrove was the draw coming into the season, and he's been, you know, as advertised, but Preston Wellman's really stepped up, Eric Hively stepped up. You know, Western's a team, Curtis's team is a, a team that, Curtis Stout I should say, is a team that, you know, really has a chance. I think that, you know, that they could really upset somebody in a regional. And they're they're a team that presents a lot of risen danger. And as I mentioned earlier with Quincy Notre Dame, you've got Grant Hire at the point who's been fantastic. Apparently his elbow is not bothering him, I found out today, at uh, the Q&D signing stuff today for the football press conference. Apparently he's back up to normal and ready to go. So that will be the shape of Friday. Should be a fun couple of individual battles there, again, with Quincy Notre Dame fully healthy and, you know, getting some things going on nicely. You know, Kevin Meyer's team has gotten Max Wedding back into the picture, and that gives them a legitimate 6'7 rim protector, and that's a really nice place to be for that ball club. All right, the Saturday schedule looks thusly. The donut game this year sees the Freeburg girls again, who we mentioned, really good matchup against the Palmyra girls, state ranked number four at last check in Missouri, and obviously led by a couple of girls who have a chance to make a run at Allstate, Megan Stone and Bailey Loveless, who's coming off a career-best 35-point effort against Clark County, where she just couldn't be stopped. That's a good start to the day. And then we'll turn around and we'll have the Palmyra boys, who are state ranked as well, and have played pretty darn well up until their loss by 10 the other night to Clark County. They've got an All-State candidate in Jaden Durst taking on a Pittsfield team that's had moments. I mean, they've had some bad moments as Brad Tomhave's team, but Brad Tomhave's team has traditionally always shown up really well in the Superfan shootout. That is the 11 a.m. game, Pittsfield versus Palmyra. We'll follow that up with the Menden Unity boys and the Bowling Green boys going at it. Menden Unity, no way to put a brave face on it. They've really kind of struggled. One of those teams we mentioned who's a traditional stalwart in this tournament, just kind of a rough year for Keith Carruthers' team. They'll be taking on a Bowling Green team that uh, will, will be trying to you know bounce back from a sort of you know pedestrian showing at its own tournament uh you know obviously Clopton caught fire in that tournament and kind of made everybody look pedestrian Bowling Green's got some talent and, and some length as well so that that should be fun I, I think the middle of the day is really good obviously uh the West Hancock girls and the Alton Marquette girls will go at it Alton Marquette has a 20 win squad and has played very well this season uh it's a team that just lost to Jacksonville route at the Carrollton tournament in the championship game 48 to 40 but then bounced back and beat McGivney who's a really good team. Uh, they're 22-6 are the Alt Marquette squad, and they're led by Adrena Snipe, who's a pretty darn good player. they got a lot of really good talent on the girls' side, so I think that could be fun. I think the boys' game could be even more fun, uh, obviously, when you look at Lucas Dorothy being back, and that will start on the boys' side. The girls' game for West Hancock will start at 2 o'clock. The boys' game, which is also a West Hancock-Alt Marquette pairing, kind of a twin bill back-to-back at 3.30. That sees, uh, you know, West Hancock with Drake Hamill and a now healthy Lucas Dorsey, who's coming, Lucas Dorothy, who's coming off a 32-point performance the other night against Keokuk, taking on Alt Marquette, who's also, you know, significantly loaded. They got a 6'4 kid who's 
pretty darn good and can really play in Jackson Hendricks, but they've got a lot of talent in a lot of places. Again, a 21-win team at last check, I believe. So, you know, those, those are two pretty good battles. Uh, in the middle of the day, the 5 o'clock game will be that very Western team against a Marissa team that has looked really good this season. Got two players you really need to watch. They're seniors. Uh, Logan Jones, who's 6'1", who's gone on a just an absolute scoring binge of late to help his team get to 18-5 and five on the season. And then they've got a dude who can just flat jump out of the gym who may give us some dunks in Sebastian Ivory Greer. So uh, two players to keep an eye on there on that side of things, obviously. We'll see how Western fares with that. And then we'll wrap up our day coming up at the uh, Superfan Shootout at 6.30. Q&D girls versus the West Central girls. I know West Central has had some struggles this season, but it's Brian Bettis. His teams are always very tough to beat, and they'll shoot a lot of threes. And Eric Warren touched on this week how that's a pretty good challenge to prepare them, the Lady Raiders, who – Plan on making a really deep run in the postseason for teams that can really snipe from the outside. And then obviously the marquee game, as we touched on, Quincy Notre Dame versus number one West Central, which did hold on to its number one ranking. Um, West Central handed it to Quincy Notre Dame this summer over at the Jacksonville shootout. Kevin Meyer, I talked to him this week about, you know, what that was and what that meant. And, you know, I think they got a sense of it. And he was very complimentary, both of Ryan Seasting and of all those players that they've got involved. And, uh, you know, obviously deferential to Gabe Cox, but made the point that it's, you know, it's far more than Gabe Cox and Cole Howard and Drew Evans. I mean, there are a lot of really neat pieces that fit there. And we've seen different guys step up in the last couple of weeks uh, and really do a good job uh, you know, leading this team and scoring, you know, the, the Braden Littles of the world having having great games. So these are these are, you know, these are these are really deep teams. And, you know, I, again, it may not be the sexiest matchup on paper, given Quincy Notre Dame's overall record this season. But, you know, it is a chance to say you had a, te- a chance to see in person a team in a bigger gym, obviously, because it's tough to get into Winchester when, when they're playing good teams, but a chance to see a team that really does have a significant chance to win a state championship this year. West Central has been every bit of it all season long, and again, a chance to say you saw them win. So that's the schedule for the Super Fan Shootout. We're super proud of it. Again, if you pay $8 in advance, you get to see all 11 games. If you wait until Saturday, procrastinate, you can pay $10, still see all 10 or all 11 games for the price of one ticket. That's, you know, that's a ridiculous value and it's some really good basketball and we hope that we will have you be there and be a part of the festivities and proceedings with us because we think it's going to be super fun. Well, take it from me. This is your warning. Do not forget Valentine's Day. Get everything taken care of ahead of time, actually right now online at mycountymarket.com. Order your flowers to be delivered or pick up at the store. Choose from dozens of arrangements and a handwritten message card. Your local county market floral shop, but online. That's mycountymarket.com. All right, Wednesday of this week marked the beginning of the national signing period for college football, and we did, as I mentioned earlier, have a pretty significant haul of players who made their pledges official on Wednesday. Some will do so a little later in the process. Some have actually made them official but won't have their individual press conferences until later because of the snow or because of folks who couldn't be there or because they wanted family there. But let's break down what took place on Wednesday. Our day started with uh, some pretty significant developments and a real credit to what Clark County football has become under Ethan Allen, as particularly over the last three years. We started off with a double ceremony at Clark County with Caleb Lapsley, the Quincy Herald Wig Player of the Year and the All-State running back, pledging to Central Missouri and his teammate, 
his fellow linebacker at times, his fellow backcourt, or excuse me, backfield mate, I should say, Spencer Gregory, pledging to Division II superpower Northwest Missouri State. So those were obviously significant developments. Here's what we sort of found out on the intel. Spencer Gregory is going to play fullback at Northwest Missouri State. They obviously saw something in him they like. He is a downhill runner. He's a hard runner. There's nothing flashy about what he does, but he's super smart and he's super strong, and that makes him an ideal candidate, especially as we're kind of getting even if you saw the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl, we're starting to get a bit of a fullback renaissance. You know, I, I'm not sure, you know, the risen Tom Rathman will come back, but it's nice to see the fullback getting reemployed. Obviously, if Northwest Missouri State and all the success they've had is re-embracing that, that's, uh, that's a real credit to, you know, the fact that they think Spencer not only has a future, but, you know, it's a future that could significantly play into the modern offense. I'd also make a point that while we're talking about Northwest Missouri State, sort of a surprise that came out of not really nowhere for us because we knew Caden Phillips was incredibly good, but I didn't know Northwest Missouri State would be the landing spot for the two-time make-an-all-state offensive tackle. Uh, I thought maybe that was the best signing anybody made this week. Uh, Caden Phillips is 6'7", 315 pounds, and he is as athletic and nimble at that size as anybody you will ever see. See also the fact that I believe he ended up with, if memory serves me right, close to 20 tackles for loss on the defensive side of things. He two-platooned, which you don't see with a lot of 300-pounders, but you know he was a guy that never seemed to be out of breath. You, you add from our area Spencer Gregory and Caden Phillips from Macon, that's a really great haul and that's why Northwest Missouri State is who they are. Um, I sh- would be remiss if I didn't mention that Central Missouri also had a very good haul, getting not only the Quincy Herald Wig Player of the Year, Caleb Lapsley, as we've mentioned on here before, but KHQA Player of the Year, Pascal Gilavogi from Beardstown. They did those signings at 4 o'clock, and that was the heart of the snowstorm, so we could not get over there on the television side of things. But we will catch up with Pascal, talk about his decision, as well as that of his teammate, Avery Quigley, the other outstanding Beardstown running back who pledged to McKendry this week. But that those are sort of the you know the, some of the bigger names in D2, with especially Gilavogi, Lapsley, Gregory, and Caden Phillips doing what they did. But they weren't alone. At Quincy Notre Dame, Johnny Onimus, who was a player who was very coveted in a lot of local circles for his ability to be a playmaker, kind of like Pascal Gilavogi, um, to be a playmaker of that next ilk. Um, you know, it was interesting to hear Johnny Onimus say that the Truman State folks, and obviously Jason Kilday, does as good a job as anybody, the assistant coach at Truman State, at finding talent in our area and wooing it. Uh, they were talking about using Johnny Onimus maybe as a defensive back, according to Johnny today. He was recruited on his sheet as a wide receiver. I mean, he could do any number of things. I think a lot of these guys are broad canvas players. Caleb Lapsley told us today that he thought he'd play some running back, but they also talked about making him a slot receiver. Uh, Pascal Gilavogi, I, I know it's all over the map with what you could do with him. I mean, there's there's a lot of different things that he could be at the next level, and obviously he's very capable of doing all of those things. So, um, you know, I, I think you're going to see some guys maybe play some different positions at that next level, and once they cut their teeth with a couple of seasons, probably redshirt seasons for all of them, I would guess, and then, you know, cut their teeth and get sort of into the, you know, because that's big-time football at Truman. Um, you know, obviously it's big-time football at Central Missouri, even bigger-time football at Central Missouri, and and bigger time football, even still at Northwest Missouri State. I, I mean, those are guys that once they kind of get themselves up and acclimated, you know, and can do some of the things they can do, they're going to be specialists now as well, which is important because they've played multiple positions and they've kind of been thinned out with what they can do. It's going to be really interesting to see what they've done with specialized coaching. Also, I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, didn't make, you know, mention of the fact that, you know, Grant James today from Quincy High School. 
outstanding sort of uh, playmaking outside linebacker slash hybrid rusher. Ended up pledging Illinois College, which I, I think he's a guy that if you watch him play, he may not have all the measurables that like D2 coaches are looking for. But, at, you know, at that Division three level, he's a pretty special guy who gives you more than maybe the outside package looks like. Great motor and great explosiveness. I think that could be re- a real steal for a – you know, uh, an Illinois college team that prides itself on finding that kid and really, you know, amplifying him to the best of his ability, particularly on defense. And I, I think that, you know, I think that speaks volumes about Grant. I think he has a chance to be a really good situational player. And it wouldn't surprise me because IC is not averse to using guys right away if they show that they can play. Wouldn't surprise me if he gets a few third down reps right out of the gate. You know, it gives them some fresh legs in the pass rush because he's a difficult kid to keep blocked. And, you know, I, I think Grant's a really nice player. Nate Wilson, also from Quincy High School, ended up pledging Quincy University. He's more of an inside linebacker, was an all-conference guy this season. Um, I think he's a guy who's going to be significantly bigger the next time you see him and, uh, you know, on a field playing regularly. And he's a run stuffer with with both smarts and an attitude, which I really liked. And I, I thought, despite the fact that you might have heard on our airways, Gary Basset, he didn't get all the players he wanted this year and he felt like there was – some moves by some local players to try to get out of town, and maybe it wasn't as attractive to go to Quincy University when you could kind of go outside because he, you know, he was looking hard at, you know, Johnny Onimus, and he was looking hard at Pascal Guilavogi. Um, you know, I, I think when you see some of this stuff, um, you know, I, I think you look at the guys that he got. I think Remington Bueller is got a chance to be when he's a one-way offensive lineman working specifically with college-level uh, condition coaches and with, uh, you know, offensive line specialists, has a chance to be a pretty special guy. Yeah, I, People have raved about Dalton Diener uh, at McComb. You know, McComb didn't win a game, which, you know, kind of depresses their value, but Diener was everywhere the last two years, mind you, as a guy who could really kind of get upfield and, you know, make some things happen and did it without a lot of, without a lot of help. So, you know, that's certainly coming for, for Quincy University. Um, you know, Alex Cosgriff is one of our favorite wide receivers, not just because he's a guy. I don't know how straight line fast Alex Cosgriff is, but he's as fast as anybody when you're bumping him, and he's, you know, is as tough to bump off the ball as anybody there is, and he catches the, the, the hard pass as well as anybody. And I, I think that, you know, and now that he's going to get back into an offense that can pass, um, I think that's going to kind of highlight who he is and what he does at the next level. So you look at the guys they got, Cosgriff, Diener, uh, you know, Nate Wilson, uh, Remington Bueller, that's that's a pretty good centerpiece of a class that, you know, talking to Gary Bastet, he really liked. He got a quarterback out of Columbia Rockbridge, and that's a really good hotbed of talent over the years that he likes. He found a running back that he's super high on that he thinks can be a, an alpha-type guy. Got a chance to talk a little bit as well. Culver Stockton's not as far along in the process. They announced some signings today, um, you know, but that will kind of happen as it happens. But, you know, got a chance to talk to that coaching staff as well. And I, I think what we'll see with Culver Stockton is it fleshes out. Their two local guys are kind of long-range guys. They did a lot more in a lot more areas of the country. Um, but I, I think if you talk to Tom Sally, as I did today a little bit, you see that, you know, they've, they've got pieces in place now. They're just trying to broaden the canvas a little more. And that's the nice thing about Quincy University as well. They don't need to cafeteria style it more. Yes, they had some need for some, you know, cornerbacks this year that they wanted, a few offensive line pieces. But beyond that, they were just basically building depth for the future. Culver's kind of the same way. And, you know, I, I think you're going to see those teams take another step forward. Uh, probably Culver Stockton sooner than 
than anybody. I mean, I, I think that's a team that has a chance to be really special very quickly. And their two local kids, obviously, are, are kids that I think, again, as I mentioned, Austin Callahan, defensive back out of Bowling Green, who's a guy that I think has a chance to be something special down the road for them. Um, and then Elijah Mead from Highland, who's kind of a developmental guy who has a lot of really good skills to develop moving forward. Those were the two locals, but I think you'll see a lot more uh, California and kids from down south. And I know Tom got a quarterback from Georgia he's high on. So we'll see how that all fleshes out. You know, signing day, everybody gets excited. It's like Christmas, but you don't really know what the presents are going to be for two to three years. So everybody's enthused about it. But it's just really nice to see some local kids fed back into the system. And not only in our area, but kind of regionally to help some powerhouse programs to give us interest level there. We'll put dinner on the table in a flash with County Market's quick and easy meals. These prepackaged meals cook right in the bag, in the microwave, or oven and offer everything from salmon and asparagus to chicken and potatoes, vegetable medallies, and a whole lot more. Look for the quick and easy meals in the cooler at the front of the store and take the work out of dinner tonight. All right, I want to wrap up with you tonight talking about my favorite things in the world for this week. I've got two of them. I've got two of them that really stand out, and the first of which is locally on the sports front. And I want to talk to you about the secret weapon behind Culver Stockton's, and I'm talking about the women's basketball team, current nine-game win streak. Um, and it's you know, obviously this is a team that has done a lot of things. We've, we've covered it with its mix of experience and youth, uh, with the great job Jeanette Bergen has done, all of the things that kind of fit into that as well as, you know, the talent-wise. But to me, the secret weapon that this team has is the incredible crowd support it's getting from the football team and from the other sports teams on campus. The place is packed and there's an energy and it's great to see all of these kids out there really kind of cheering on their fellow classmates and doing it in a way that there's a tangible vibe in the maybe complex and, I, you know, not taking shots at the Culver Stockton, you know, student bodies of the past, but that hasn't always been the case. And we're seeing it now. I mean, and we're seeing it in a big way with, you know, kind of giving an atmosphere to those home games. And to pull off a victory as they did against nationally ranked Clark on Wednesday night, I mean, that energy was palpable. And to beat a team like that um, and to do it the way they did it uh, by 13 points and to jump out on a 13-2 lead right out of the gate, that speaks volumes about sort of the energy level that this team is feeding off of. And that owes to the great fan base. So those things do matter and atmosphere is a thing. And I'm sure Jeanette Bergen would be the first to tell you. I know Tom Sally was really proud of his kids for getting out and supporting it. Um, you know, in a campus like Culver Stockton, there's, there's not a lot of, you know, uh, things to do on a typical Wednesday night. So to see that many bodies in the gym and to see them having fun and really getting into it was super special. My other favorite thing in the world this week, television show is part of a series on HBO. It's called McMillions. It's about the scam that was being run by a guy named Uncle Jerry to defraud the uh, the McDonald's Monopoly game over the years. And apparently, unbeknownst to all of us, it was rigged and rigged in really weird ways. And this is the story of the FBI investigation into it. And it has created the breakout star of the year. He's a guy named Special Agent Doug Matthews. And he's got 
the funniest, weirdest personality of anyone you will ever see in a documentary, right down to his ridiculous grin that he delivers on cue. He's like a wrestling supervillain. It's almost like a Rowdy Roddy Piper thing, and it is just, it is priceless. I admonish you to get to HBO and watch McMillions. It's riveting, first of all, in the story, but Doug Matthews is going to be the most famous man of 2020. Bank on it right now. All right, that's it for me this week. Again, thanks to County Market for their unyielding support of our communities, our kids, and our schools. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. We'll be back here next week to talk about the postseason because it is upon us in basketball and wrestling.